What's good, everybody? It's your man, Big Don, coming live and at you with a True Players Podcast, episode number 24. I know you guys haven't heard from me in a, in a little bit. It's been a little bit over three weeks. Um, just trying to take care of some things on my end, you know, just to um, um, bring you guys some more episodes. Um, I do apologize for that, but, you know, let's get right into the episode right here. I'm going to talk about the, uh, you know, the Major League Baseball spring training started. Um and you know, for my team, the Mets, it already started with some with some drama. But before I get into that, I want to get into the uh, now officially Manny Machado and Bryce Harper has signed their contracts. You know, first Manny Machado signed with the Padres for ten years for three hundred million dollars, and also Bryce Harper signs with the Phillies for thirteen for thirteen years for three hundred thirty million dollars. Uh, you know, Bryce was going to try to make more money than Manny. You know, that's that's you know that's not surprising at all considering who who was. Who's his agent is, which is Scott Boris, you know. My thoughts on that, on that situation. Um, I think Manny Machado was was hard. His heart was was to um, go with the Yankees, but the Yankees wasn't willing to fork over uh, three hundred million dollars to him, um, which is their prerogative. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, he he signed with the Padres. Let's see how many how many wins he could add to that team. Because other than Will Myers and Eric Hosmer, I don't see any big stars on that team. And they're and they're, they're pretty much their future stars are very young and still, um, you know, just started in the major leagues. But um, Bryce Harper signing with the Phillies is a very big thing for me because he's staying in the NL East. Um, I believe the Mets. If I was GM, I would have tried to make a push to sign him. But the Mets had other ideas. I just wish I gave you guys gave you guys my planning on how I would rebuild the Mets and put the Mets in contention. With that, um, with my podcast about the GM podcast, which would never came through, and I do apologize for that also. But if I was a GM, I would have definitely signed Bryce. I would have definitely tried to sign Bryce Harper. Probably get him in a seven-year, eight-year deal around, you know, twenty two hundred fifty million dollars, and plug him right in right field, or even even put him in center field. You know, that's what I would have done. But um, let's get started with the Mets. Uh, Mets spring training. Um, there was a, there was a uh, Joanna Cespedes is sighting. He looks good from what I've heard. Um, he's hoping to be back by this season. When he did the heel surgery last year, the hope was he would be back in July, July or August. So let's just hope he comes back at that time so he can help the Mets um, compete for the NL East title or possibly for a playoff playoff spot. But since the Mets of spring training started. But it's back to the same old story, injuries, which um, every year always seems to cripple this team. Every year, they have an injury that sets them back. But these injuries are to um, Todd Frazier and Jed, and Jed Lowry. Jed Lowry was the, um, was the um, utility player that designed for two years for $20 million. Um, he's out with a knee injury. He's not sure if he's gonna. They're not even sure if he's gonna be available <clears throat> available for opening day, which you know, it's kind of rough just to give a, a guy who's 35 years old a 10 million dollar contract for two years. So he's getting paid 10 million, 10 million, 10 million per for two years. Um, did, did I like? I didn't. Did I like the signing of Jed Lowry? No, I didn't like. I didn't like the signing at all. I thought that money should have been allocated to possibly working on an extension for um, Jacob Degrom. Be to be honest with you, because you already you already had 
you already had TJ Rivera coming back from um, Tommy John surgery, and you already had Jeff McNeil, who was playing second base last year, but moved this could could have moved to a different position because of Robinson Cano took over as the um, everyday second baseman. And um, Todd Frazier, he's out with a with a with a bleak strain, and I felt. I truly believe that he should not be a starter on this team. I think I've, I've mentioned that on previous podcasts, how he should be coming off the bench and provide um, veteran leadership coming off the bench. He's not a, he's no longer an everyday player. I can't have a guy who bats 230 be an everyday player. So I don't care if he hits me 27 home runs and drives in 100, 100 RBIs, because keep in mind, those RBIs or, or those home runs may come at either a juncture in which the Mets are being blown out or the Mets have a big lead. You need, you need, a, guy that, you need a guy that plays third base that can drive in runs. Driving runs, get on, driving runs are bad for a, 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 at least a batting average, at least of 280. 230 is not going to cut it. Um, I don't know why he's, you know, they, they push for him to be the starting third baseman. you got a young guy over there with Jeff McNeil who I think with some, with some practice at third base, he could handle the position and be that guy. Um, to play third base every day, every, every day, you know. So that that's what I feel about that situation. And nothing to I heard Brody Van Wagenen stated that Justin Jason Vargas is going to be the fifth starter for the New York Mets without any competition. I don't understand why the spot which is given to him. I am more comfortable. With Seth Lugo as a fifth starter, I am with, with Jason Fargus. He did, he did not he pitched horrible last year. You know I don't even see that's that's what I mentioned in my earlier podcast about equitable spending on players. When you when you're giving players eight million dollars eight million dollars ten up to eight million dollars or ten million dollars, they got to be able to produce, um, produce to the point they're not under five hundred. That I that I'm giving you an ERA of over eight. You know. That's what um, Jason Vargas gave last year. He was under 500, and his ERA was at eight. Most of his start, he averaged at least four innings a start because he kept getting blown out in the beginning of the game. If you talking about if you want to win now, this guy can't be your fifth starter. Can't be your fifth starter. So. That, that's that's what I'm saying is is it's causing a little bit um you know the you know the will ponds are very um thrifty with their with their um budget and and their money so if you're going to spend you're gonna waste money on Frazier and Vargas and, and Lowry you could allocate that money in position for you to re- to give the ground that extension that he wants and I think he deserves the extension, even though he's under control for t- for two more years. I think the the, the loyalty he gave to the, to the New York Mets organization, the grit he showed um, in those playoff games in 2015, he deserved. The, the Mets should have did the right thing by him and brought him out of his last two years of um, control to give him a, a big contract. But I'm I'm get to I'm gonna get to that a little bit later in the podcast. I'm gonna tell you that right now. But good things I'm hearing here with uh, Dominic Smith and Pete Alonzo, both competing for the first baseman's job. They're both having um, started off great, started off great in the spring training so far. Um, another thing that I noticed, another another signing that I don't agree with, 
I mean, I'm not gonna beat up uh, Brody Van Wagner for was the Carlos Gomez signing to a minor league contract. Um, this is because of the injuries to Frazier and Lowry. They don't think the, those two players will be available for opening day. And me, to be honest with you, I don't. I could care less if they're opening. For, they're, they're available for opening day anyway because, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have those guys on the team. But my question to Brody it would be: If I ever got to have the opportunity to speak to him, why not Adam Jones? The guy's still a free agent. He made 17 mil last year. He just still doesn't have a team yet. You mean to tell me, you know, you can't give him a contract of 10 million, 10 million, 10 million dollars or 12 million dollars to start in center field or even in right field? You know? That's a better better person to have on your team than Frazier, Lowry, or Carlos Gomez. We don't even know how we don't even know if Carlos Gomez hip could hold up anymore. Why? Why? I don't understand. Yeah, you trade for Cano. You you, you could trade for Cano. Well, by the end of the um end of his um the big contract that he still has, it's probably gonna be 38, 39 years old. But that by the time that contract's over, but yeah, you can't you can't give Adam Jones twelve million dollars for one year. That makes absolutely no sense to me. If you're gonna if you're gonna play to win. If you're a win-now team, you spend as if you're going to win now. That means no holds barred. I mean, you're not going to go over the luxury tax, of course, but you got to put in that money for this team if you're going to win now. And I felt that Adam Jones would have been a great addition to this team. It would have been a better addition than the Jed Lowry or, um, to, a cert- to a certain extent, the addition of Robinson Cano. But listen, I'm not complaining about Robinson Cano because... The man is still producing, but the contract is, is, is bothersome because of, his, because of his age now and what his age will be once that contract is over and you're still paying him $27 million a year. But we all know why we got Robinson Cano. We got Robinson Cano so we can get that closer from Seattle. Plus, we got rid of some dead weight, especially Jay Bruce and Anthony Swarzak. Couldn't stand Anthony Swarzak. They should have put Vargas in the deal also. But that's another story for another day. But this is the problem I have with the Mets. They always seem to have some type of drama at spring training. The, just the big drama now is how um, Jacob deGrom has gave the Mets an ultimate, a, a slight ultimatum saying that the, if they don't give him a, a contract extension by the, by the by opening day, he's not going to speak to him about another, another extension to possibly after the season. Why, why should the Mets allow that to happen? Why? Go and sign the guy. If, like I said, I wish, like I said, I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I wish I would have gave you my my ideas of, of what I would do building this team up for this year. But one of the things I, I, that I was going to mention on that podcast, if it would, if it would have happened, I would have started off. You know, granted, Degrom got a ten million dollar raise. I would have just tore up the whole contract and gave him five years, one twenty five. Let's start there. Five years, one twenty five. By the time he gets the final year of his contract, he'll be 35 years old. And on the way I see this guy pitched, pitches, this guy could pitch into his 40s and still and still pitch very very effectively. This uh, um two days two three days ago when he had his last um his um, second spring training outing, he went three innings, four strikeouts, no runs allowed. Three innings, four strikeouts. 
This is a guy who only got a $10 million raise and wants an extension for the security of his family. He should get that extension. The men should do right by him. He's homegrown. He has succeeded in New York. Exceeded expectations because they weren't even thinking about him when he first came up as a prospect. They thought he was a B prospect or C prospect, pitching prospect. And he's, he's he turned around and became one of the best pitchers in baseball. 1.71 ERA last year. The team didn't help him out. The bullpen didn't help him out. That's why he only won, he only won 10 games. But I see the Mets the Mets thinking is they still got him under control for two years. Okay. But now let's just say he makes 17 and a half million this year. Now he goes into arbitration the following year. The next year, Pi pitches even better than he pitched the year before. And now, guess what? His salary would, would be under arbitration. Look at that, paying him $29 million. Now he's going to get another raise, of tw- another raise of almost over $10 million. $29 million will be a raise of $12 million. And he's definitely going to go to arbitration. Why would you, why would you agree to an exception to avoid arbitration when you know in arbitration you're going to make $30 million? I said, like I said, equitable spending. The Mets are not good at equitable spending. They're not good at that. No matter who they bring in as GM, it's the same. It's the same nonsensical um, signing of one guy, but not extending another guy. They always seem to make the wrong choices when it comes to money. Like I said, if that was me. After last season, I would give. I was. I would have went to um, Degrom's agent. I said, "Listen to me. I'm gonna start off with five five years, one hundred twenty-five mil. What are you gonna What are you gonna say? You got to put it on the table. That's about twenty-five mil a year. Put it on the table. That may not be. Um, if I was Degrom's agent, I wouldn't accept one hundred twenty-five mil either. I would probably push it to one thirty-five. If I was his agent." So, I'm putting myself in both situations. Agent for DeGrom, GM for the Mets. So, what I would have came up with, if I was GM, I would have came up with a five-year, $130 million contract, give him his opt-out after three years, and go from there. If he does not opt out, he has a play option for the sixth year for a 30 bill, and go from there. Therefore, you wouldn't worry about the drama now that he possibly may cut his innings short to 180 innings um, to protect himself for a bigger contract. Not going to have to deal with this drama. This is a team that's trying to compete to win a championship. So you don't want this type of drama. And the ripple effects now of, the, of, not, of if this extension does not happen, you know. Now, Syndergaard... Who shares the same agent agency with Degrom? You know, he's talking about he's gonna bet on himself in, in the year 2020, 2000, uh, 2020 and become a free agent. This is the, this is this is the problem. Uh, this is the problem I have with the Mets. You just watch seeing the team across town, um, Luis Severino, sign an extension for four years, forty mil. They bought out the rest of his arbitration years, and he gave him an extension four years, forty four years, forty mil. Aaron Nola got also got a four year extension, four year um, extension, which eliminated his two years of control for forty five mil. 
those two pitches just set up the bar for for um, Noah Syndergaard. Now you you could be in a situation where you could do the same thing, except since he's a younger pitcher, you could go six years with Syndergaard and possibly go about fifteen to seventeen mil per. Six years, fifteen to seventeen per. He not you're not gonna hear his mouth about oh he's gonna test our free agency or the threat of him leaving. You keep him happy. Keep him happy. I think fifteen and seventeen mil would make that would make that man happy. And call it a day. But see, the Mets thinking is they can't do that because of the money they invested in players that they should not have invested in, such as Jed Lowry, Todd Frazier, Jason Vargas. Those guys combined make twenty six million dollars for this year. $26 million. You gave DeGrom a $10 million raise. You don't sign those guys. DeGrom gets the extension. You're still, you're still in the same still in the same payroll. And you could probably not negotiate with Syndergaard for his extension. But wait one second here. You, you, Zach Wheeler is going to be a free agent after the season. After the way he pitched last year... Shouldn't he, shouldn't he be up for the shouldn't be in consideration for an accession also? I'm just saying. Now I don't know how much I would pay him. He's not as um, clear cut as the other two with Syndergaard and Degrom. He's not as clear cut. What would make him happy? You know, would giving him a contract of of twelve million per, if he stays healthy? Through the entire season, which has been a major issue with um, Zach Wheeler, do you now pursue a contract with um, Wheeler, given he keeps his health of twelve million per for four or five years? Do you take that chance? To be honest with you, if I was a Mets GM, I don't know if I would make, take, make that chance or take that chance. But in the event that you don't take that chance, I would try to trade him to get some value back, get some more minor leaguers to create more depth. Um, I understand what Brody was trying to do in signing Jed Lowry and signing Carlos Gomez and Rajay Davis and uh, to all those the minor league contracts for Rajay Davis and Carlos Gomez and Jed Lowry for giving more more um, versatility in the infield. But if you're going to cr- truly create depth as an organization. The depth has to be with young talent coming through the pipelines or the young talent through free agency. Not guys over, over 34, 35 years old. That does not work. It works for only one year and then they flame out after the next year. I'm hoping the Mets have a great season this year. Hope I hope everything works out with, with them. Because I'm, I'm sick and tired of the this, this two years has been two year past two years has been miserable, and um, I want to see a winning product at City Field when I go watch and play in City Field. That's what I truly want and I would like to have. But then again, there's some mistakes. You have you should have signed Adam Jones. Adam Jones is more of a priority. Oh, oh, was more a priority over Jed Lowry because you already have Jeff McDill there who could slide over and play third base. 
You still have TJ Rivera coming back from an elbow from out from Tommy John. That's still available. And in the event, even even if you if you weren't even gonna go that route, you still could have signed Wilma Flores. Resigned Wilma Flores for much less money than ten million dollars. You probably been at six or seven or probably eight million, but you have a younger player. You gotta you gotta pay for youth. You don't pay for um for for guys at the the last tail end of the career or over thirty, over thirty five. You pay for youth. You know? And the Mets still got time. They made some good deals. They made I'm not gonna take it away from them. They made some great deals. They got uh Wilson Ramos. They signed him to be the catcher. I even I totally thought I totally thought they let Devin Masaraco go. Devin Masaraco's still on the team, which is I, I I like the fact that they kept him as a back possibly as a backup catcher. Because Wilson one thing one thing about Wilson Ramos he's good he's liable he's liable to get injured. You need a catcher who knows the pitching, who's a good defensive catcher who could throw out runners at second base, and Devin Masaraco works. Um, you still got Travis Dono coming back from the um, surgery with his elbow. I don't, I don't know how he's how is he going to respond, but he should be um, need to retire his catching gear and get a glove and learn some third base, learn some first base. Maybe he could he could be more productive at those positions or even in left field. The Mets are counting on um, Conforto and, ne- and, and Nimmo in the beginning. Hold down the uh, the corner outfield spots, Broxton and Lagaris. I don't know about them. Lagaris is the better center fielder, better defensively, better offensively. But Lagaris also has a problem with the injury and with the injuries. He can't seem to stay on the field. And mind you, he's making about eight nine million dollars a year. Like I said, equitable spending. If a guy can't stay healthy, he should be getting that. Should not be getting that money, especially when he's unproven. Especially when he's unproven. If if it was me, I'm looking to build depth with youth, not with age. If, I, if that was me as GM, I would put in a, I would put in an offer to Bryce Harper. Put in an offer for the player who should have been in the Mets uniform, Manny Machado, who fits better into what the Mets' plans are. The Mets leader need to upgrade at third base. He'd have been their third baseman. He'd have been your third baseman. Then again, when you made that trade for Cano. Manny Machado was out of the equation. You know? I would have signed, I would have, I would have seen what I could have done with Manny Machado before I made that trade for Cano. But keep in mind one thing, the reason why Brody made that trade for Cano was because he wanted that young closer from Seattle. If you want so if you want if you want a good piece, you have to take back a bad piece. And you took back Robinson Cano. Was not that it's not really a bad piece, but he's older, but he's still productive. 
But how many years, how many years of productivity can this guy give under the under the contract, under the amount of money that you still got to pay him per? You still got to pay him 27 per year. If he gives the Mets three more solid years of offense and defense for $27 million a year, that would be a steal of a deal for the Mets. Would be a steal. But, you know, Brody should have... Should have went to went to Will went to Fred went to Jeff and said, "Listen, let's give, let's give let's let's throw our name out there. Let's put our names in the hat for Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. Give them give them an offer. That's what I would have done. I would have got rid of J- Jason Vargas. I would have I would have tried to get rid of Todd Frazier also." Because those those contracts are not equitable to the Mets. And like I said time and time again in my previous podcast, in order to have create a success successful tr- franchise, whether it's in the NFL, Major League Baseball, or the NBA, your spending on players must be equitable. They must produce to the contract that you give them. That's the only way you could be a great, you'd be a sustainable franchise by doing, making those smart, smart decisions. It's not going to happen. You're not going to hit a home run on every free agent, but you got to hit a home. You got to hit at least 80, 80% of those, in my opinion. At least 80% of those. So, definitely, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. You know, if you want to, um, like I said, I got a, I got a, I got a page on Facebook, True Players Podcast. Search for that on Facebook. Um, leave your comments or send me uh, messages on on that web page, on that on that Facebook page. I definitely read them, read on them. Definitely take a look at the articles that I post on that page. Also, add your comments to it. I'm um, also if, um, to get, you know to support me on my podcast and by get uh, by donating a, li- a little money to the the podcast to keep it going. And also, like I said, um, if you want, like I said, leave a message on True Players Podcast um, Facebook page, or def- definitely leave a message. Leave a message for me on Anchor.com. Um, like I said, guys, thanks for listening to me. I'll definitely have an episode for you real soon because I want I want to speak about some th- some things outside of sports. I have a little 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 spoil. I want I want to give you my opinion of Game of Thrones season three, season eight for you Game of Thrones fans. So stay tuned for that episode. I'll have it to you. <clears throat> I have it to you as soon as I can. All right. It's your man Big Dom signing off on True Players Podcast. I'll hire you later. Peace.